0: Hey, family, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're talking with Kerry Kidby Salem. Uh, We're continuing our conversations with the most influential women in barbecue, and Kerry is a compulsive competitive barbecue judge and founder of the Women of Low and Slow Australia Facebook group. So, I think it's time to get Kerry in here.
1: This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Hi,
0: Kerry. Welcome to The Confessional. It's great to have you.
1: Hi, Ben. It's great to be here. Thanks so much.
0: I just want to say thank you for taking a bit of time to sort of look at your surroundings and sort of set up your cameras nice and everything because it looks fantastic. It's coming through crystal clear. The audio's great. I love it.
1: No worries at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, I always kick the show off with the same, uh, same first three questions. What was the last thing that you barbecued?
1: Oh, uh, probably a short rib. I am a bit partial to one of those. Um, I'm just exploring a new range of wine that's been made to have with barbecue. So I'm kind of going through all of their recommended pairings at the moment, which is delicious.
0: Right. What's that about? Is that like a like a club, like a wine club or something?
1: Uh, no, down at Meatstock, the butcher's cellar released their new range of wines. Um, and there's a Malbec, a uh, Cab Sav and a Shiraz. Uh, and coming from a wine background, I thought, well... Don't need any more excuse, so let's get amongst it.
0: <laughs> nice, I like that. And so, what what does pair nicely with a with a beef rib then?
1: Um, I love the Shiraz with the beef rib. It's got a nice structure to it, but um, the way that they've blended their wines, it's got a nice juice to it as well. And you always want a bit of acidity when you're eating kind of more fattier cuts.
0: Oh, excellent! Now let's let's uh, sort of t- t- talk about how you like to do those beef ribs. Give us a bit of a rundown there.
1: Um, I'm rotating through. A whole bunch of different rubs at the moment um we have so many cool places to pick up new stuff near us so um I won't I won't name any names because I didn't super love the one that I, I used last night but um yeah just uh give it a bit of time with the rub to settle in um and then you know nice and nice and slow and get that bark going on so that there's a bit of flavor to match with uh everything else in the in the meal and the wine
0: Excellent, yeah. And do you do that in a Weber or a pellet grill? I How do you like to
1: barbecue? Elite. I got it for my thirtieth, um, and that was kind of at the start of my barbecue journey, or probably about a year in. And I live in an apartment, so I, I don't have heaps of room for it, uh, and it takes a lot of very careful uh, drip feeding to make sure that I don't smoke out the place.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was just going to ask about that. Do you have to sort of bribe the neighbors not to make? Uh- not to make complaints by uh, giving them some barbecue. How do you get around that?
1: Well, I thought that that would be a good strategy, but so far no one has knocked on the door, and I'm wondering if they might be uh, secret vegetarians or something, but <laughs> I've had no issues.
0: Oh, okay. It's more All ones
1: right. I'm worried about.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I can uh, certainly understand that. Now, you're based yeah. in, in Brisbane, right?
1: That's right, yeah.
0: Okay, because I know in Sydney that they've actually banned barbecues on balconies down in Sydney, so... I, yeah, uh,
1: and I don't know how that would fly in Brisbane because there's so much beautiful barbecue weather up here that, um, you know, I'm sure there'd be a riot. From where I sit in my office here, I can see that my next door neighbor has got an offset on their balcony. So I think they're a little bit ballsier than I am. Um, but obviously someone's going to complain about them before they complain about my very modest pro queue. Man,
0: that's, that, that is like mad props to whoever's got an offset yeah. on a balcony <laughs> of an apartment. That's, that's commitment.
1: Yeah. And we're in New Farm, so it's like pretty close to the city as well. So we've got a lot of high rises around here and, you know, I just think, well, good for them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and and New Farm's more of a progressive sort of uh, modern area. So you've yep. probably got a lot of hipsters that are right into low and slow barbecue at the moment.
1: Oh, heaps. And we've got some really amazing butchers around the area too. So, you know, and maybe everyone's just cool with it. <laughs>
0: I'd say so. I I dare say so. Now, we just recently caught up at uh, at Meatstock in Toowoomba. How, how did you enjoy the weekend?
1: Uh, I've never been to Toowoomba and I moved to Queensland about 8 years ago and I was really interested in getting out there and seeing what country Queensland is like. Uh and it definitely didn't disappoint. Um they're the loveliest people and the air is super fresh out there and it really had the great kind of country music, authentic traditional barbecue vibe. Um You know, Meatstock's a really well-run festival and I was stoked to be part of the crew there. Um, And yeah, it was just, it does take a lot out of you because it's a few, three days of judging and lots of great country music to enjoy as well. So long days. And when I got home, I was keen to, you know, have a lie down. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, It was such an awesome time.
0: Yeah, I, I think I slept for about ten or twelve hours straight when I got mm-hmm. home on uh, on on Saturday night. So I can certainly understand what you're saying there. Now you also did Meatstock Melbourne just the weekend before, didn't you?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, a couple of weekends before that. But um, yeah, Stock Melbourne was probably double the size in terms of patrons. Um, and it's actually my hometown, so it was great to go home and see the hometown crowd and catch up with some mates there. But it was, yeah, again, another huge weekend. So, yeah, really good times. Great to be back finally doing events uh, after the break we've had.
0: Yeah, how did you find the the difference between Meatstock Melbourne and Meatstock Toowoomba? Because I know that Jay was looking for a for a different feel.
1: It definitely was a different feel. I think Toowoomba was a lot more uh, relaxed and a um, lot more green space because it was at the Toowoomba showgrounds, whereas the Flemington showgrounds is a little bit more urban. Um You've got, you know, a lot more of your agricultural buildings and things there, uh, lots more hipsters. Um, we had a lot of great entrants for the uh, beard, mow and mullet competitions. Um, yeah, but it was definitely, you know, you get your hot roads, um, you get your, you know, inner city barbecue fans and craft beer and all that sort of stuff. So it is a little bit of a different vibe, um, but, you know, both super fun. I think Toowoomba is probably a little bit more, um. Like you go up there for the weekend, whereas Meatstock Melbourne, you know, you make a day of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now I I didn't get down to Meatstock Melbourne this year, but you you mentioned the the beard and mustache wars in Toowoomba. Mm. They also included the the hairy chest and the dad bod the awards. Dad bod. Did, did, yeah, did they, they do that in down Melbourne in Melbourne? As well. Oh, they did. Okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a bit of fun. It's a bit of fun, and it's um you know I helped out or recruiting people for the Melbourne event and it was actually kind of nice to walk around um, with Rian from um, Barbecue and Brews and kind of call out people who look like they've got a rockin' mullet or a rocking moustache or something like that but when it comes to the dad bods and the hairy chests you have to be a little bit discreet right so if you got approached by someone that said hey you've got a kid there you're obviously a dad you know how do you feel about getting up on stage and Rocking out your dad bod, people can take it either way. So luckily, the blokes that got up there took it as a compliment, and you know they were pretty proud about it. I think one of them ended up getting a tattoo of it later in the day. So (laughs) it was all in good fun, but you know it's nice to give the boys a bit of a encouragement as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I was going to say that uh, that lads have been walking up to ladies and inviting them onto the stages for for quite some time now. So it's it's interesting to see it sort of spin back the other way.
1: Yeah, isn't it? And um. It was just, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I think the, I've never heard so many cheers for the, for anyone really than the five-year-old kid who won the mullet competition in Toowoomba. I think his name is Vince and it was the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then he clammed up on stage and they couldn't get a word out of him. I think that was the, was that the kid? Yeah. 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 Yeah, If I was five,
1: that's probably the same. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, Ryan came and asked me if I'd do the, the beard and mustache competition. I went, yeah, sure. No worries, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite proud of my beard. And I reckon mm-hmm. it was a stitch up because I lined up against all the other competitors. I went, oh man, I'm so out of my league here. This is the, they were like down to the belly button, huge, big beards. And then, yeah.
1: The of beards were definitely something else on top of the Melbourne beards. I think Melbourne hipsters have dropped their game in the last couple of years. i got to say, um, but there was one gentleman who we found who had an incredible mustache in Melbourne. And he said, Oh no, the grand champion from a couple of years ago is here. I've seen him and I'm not going up against that. I thought, wow, okay, <laughs> there's some like long-term players here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Interesting stuff. Now, you mentioned before that you were there judging, and judging is one of your passions. And you're actually yeah. um a registered ABA judge, KCBS judge, and an SCA judge. So I mean, there's yeah. so many questions in, in here. Let's, let's just kick it off with, with meat stock uh, judging questions. Cause I'm assuming you yeah. were judging in, in Melbourne as well.
1: Yeah, um, that's
0: right. And I judged ABA in Melbourne and then um, SCA and ABA in Toowoomba. Okay, cool, cool. So did you see many differences in what was coming across the tables in terms of the, the ABA between Melbourne and Toowoomba? Were there different regional flavor profiles coming through?
1: Um not so much i think the last couple of years has given a lot of teams an opportunity to really refine their craft and the quality of turn-ins across the board was next level i've never seen so many 300 pins go out um in you know the five years i've been doing this um so yeah i think it's interesting because um compared to SCA where people get to have, you know, a bit of creative freedom and fun and explore new flavors and things like that. Um, and you know, I'm sure we'll touch on that in a moment, but um the ABA standard has just become so high that you're finding your call-out differences to be of, you know, point 0.1 or 0.2 um difference between them. So when it's about regional flavors, I think um maybe in Toowoomba we had a few, you know, ribs that people are using more sweeter rubs than more spicy rubs um, in Melbourne. Um, you know, that's just based on what we, we received on our table. Um, but really it's just about the fact that the people have been hanging out to show exactly what they are made of uh, for so long. And this is the first meat stock we've had in Queensland. So people are really, really keen to give it all they've got and like they brought it. It was amazing.
0: Yeah. What were some of the highlights of what, of what came across your, uh, your table?
1: Um, not on my table, but the table next to us, uh, we saw some chicken's feet.
0: <laughs> Ooh, okay. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. And I that thought go? that was a really bold move. Um, but I know that there was a team who decided to have a bit of fun with it. Now, I don't know if anyone has gotten amongst the chicken's feet at Yamcha, but the, uh, collagen and skin in the chicken's feet take on really incredible flavors they just it's like a sponge for marinades and rubs and then when you smoke it you end up getting like a much more palatable texture in terms of um, the way that their, uh foot cooks <laughs> so um, in Yamcha it can be a little bit kind of slimy and weird for people but having them barbecued was just something else um, otherwise I think I probably had some of the best ribs I've had in my life um, and the brisket was all incredible as well. So, I mean, all in all, like it was really a pleasure, really a pleasure to judge this year.
0: Right. So with the, with the two-year break uh, th- that we've had with the, uh, the spicy flu, as they call it, mm. with, no, with no competitions happening, you've, what you've actually seen is a huge sort of leap forward, which, was, which would be unexpected. That's not what I would have predicted. I would have mm. predicted maybe a bit of a slide back. Um, that's that's really interesting. Now, um, the SCA, tell us about the, the SCA at uh, Toowoomba as well.
1: So I love judging SCA because it is so much fun and you really get to see how people are creating flavours. It's a bit of like the master chef of barbecue as far as I'm concerned, because you get to play with the theme, um, try different techniques and, you know, really push the boundaries. It was also really interesting to see People taking the categories and just running wild with it. Um, We saw desserts in the poppers category. We saw, you know, um, I think it must have been bacon LCMs. Like, we saw some really, really cool stuff in there. And from a hospitality background, um, I really love when people are trying new techniques and pushing the envelope. And really, that's exactly what happened.
0: Fantastic.
1: So, yeah, it's incredible. And it's um obviously, you know, for some people, there's categories where they go, I want to really make the best example of what this category means um, traditionally. And you see some people who just go, got that. Let's see what else we can do. So, yeah, yeah. it was a good mix of that in Toowoomba for sure.
0: Yeah, I've I found that the uh that the bar is raised at every single competition for SCA. It's like everyone looks at the photos and then goes, okay, how can they, how can we up that? How can we up that? And the the creativity coming through in the boxes is wild right now. Now it I is. T- tell me about that dessert popper. What was happening there?
1: Yeah, so we had um actually we had a couple of things. So what I'll mention is um. This was not on our table, but the one next to us, and I'm talking with fine dining patisserie quality turn-in. Um, this was a jalapeno ice cream with candied jalapeno, oh, sorry, vanilla ice cream with um candied jalapeno, jalapenos <laughs> with a chocolate dome and gold leaf on a biscuit base. So if you think about that, it's not something you would normally see in a turn-in box. It's something you would see at, you know, Adriana Zumbo. So people have literally spent the last few months while there hasn't been competitions going on, figuring out how to do such incredible quality turn-ins and expressions of, of barbecue flavors that it doesn't even like, it blows your mind a little bit.
0: (laughs) Right. So So, that was almost like a, like a deconstructed um, jalapeno popper then.
1: Yeah, definitely. And um I think that's the one that stands out to me the most and it's just incredible because you get judges who, like, at the end of the turn-in, everything's all finalised and we're all cleared to chat and you turn around and someone says, this is the best thing I've ever eaten in my life. You have to see this. <laughs> like, and that's really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. Very nice, very nice. Now, how long have you been, been judging for?
1: Uh, five years now. I started in 2007 uh, and I've, apart from, uh, yeah, apart from Obviously, <laughs> I've been judging pretty consistently ever since.
0: Right. Okay. And you're in uh, KCBS and ABA and SCA. What What yeah. sort of differences have you noted between the two? Sort of, I'd, I guess, particularly between uh, KCBS and ABA because they're both low and slow. Have you found mm. that there's different um, different trending flavor profiles between the two?
1: You know, I think before <laughs> I would have said. Yes, um, we haven't had that many KCBS competitions uh, since then. But what I noticed prior to was probably that real uh, classic American style is stuck to a little bit more closely in KCBS, whereas the ABA people have uh I wouldn't say more freedom because everyone's very committed to bringing the most quality balanced portion that you've got. Um, But in terms of the rubs and sauces used, I think there is a little bit more of that classic American flavor that people were emphasizing in KCBS um, a few years ago. So I'm really interested to see how that comes out in competitions uh, moving forward, um, especially since, you know, when we've got our championship categories, they're pretty similar, but you're looking at, you know, perhaps just showing a bit of a different story there in terms of what the judges are looking for.
0: Interesting. So it sounds like you're saying that the flavour profiles in the ABA are uh, sort of following a little behind of where the KCBS is at. So the, they're sort of um. chasing along, like like you sort of said that flavour profiles of KCBS say it was here and then just in terms of chronology and evolution and then the ABA was um, I about think there what
1: now? I'm, I think what I'm saying is that KCBS is a lot more traditional American whereas ABA um, has taken the American foundations and tried to create flavours that are really balanced and appealing for the Australian palate, mm-hmm. um, which you know, may not necessarily always be directly influenced by um, those like, you know, Kansas city and, and other Southern states.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And, um, in terms of the, the systems between the two, what are some of the differences for, for people who are not barbecue judges, they, they wouldn't be aware of the differences between the two systems. Can you give us a bit of an idea of some of the big differences between them?
1: Yeah, I think, um, the big differences is mainly how the actual judging, is rolled out so you might find um going to a kcbs competition the tables are laid out differently the scorecard looks a bit different um but the fundamentals of trying to um judge barbecue for you know taste texture appearance like all that sort of stuff is pretty similar so um i think there's a lot more difference between like sca and the other two um i definitely find that when people have only judged sca and they come into aba it requires a little bit more um discipline, I suppose, but ultimately what's most important to me is that we're judging things um, fairly and understanding that, you know, the teams are putting out high quality turn-ins. It's not about giving people a kick in the teeth, you know, they know when they haven't had a bad, they've not had a good cook, you know? So um, the fairness is really important. And I think the structure is really there for KCBS and ABA um, both. Um, and it's just a little bit about on the day, you just sit in a different spot.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Now, over over the last five years, since 2017, you've judged, what, probably 20, 30, 40 competitions, would you say? Uh,
1: I actually can't remember, but we're definitely well above 20. Yep, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So. So,
0: so over that much time with that much experience, what what improvements would you like to see in general across? The competition barbecue scene
1: yeah um a couple of key things for me uh, as i mentioned i think the fairness and integrity of judging is something that should be really really core cool. um i have seen a bit of um inconsistency in terms of hand in scores where you have judges who are pretty experienced and you walk away thinking you know wow we've had some really top quality turn-ins today and then you check the scores back just out of interest later on and find that you know teams are getting fives and sixes when they've handed in eights and nines or tens and you just think well that's not really fair and it's not really accurate and i think that a lot of that just comes from experience and a good briefing Um, so you know it's a little bit hard when everyone's volunteers but it's the consistency of the setup i think that we can really nail. Um, in order to get the best results out of our team of volunteer judges, no matter how experienced they are. The other thing that I'd really like to see is um probably just more opportunities for teams to get um not acquainted with judges in terms of the I guess mixing, because you want to keep everything to the utmost integrity. But I think it would be really nice to have a bit of a opportunity for teams and judges to communicate you know, what they're turning in, what they've been working on, what kind of standard people are working towards so that judges and teams can understand where both sides are coming from. Um, I think sometimes there's a bit of segregation there and unless you've had the opportunity to cook and judge, um, you don't kind of get to see both sides of the coin.
0: That's a good point. That's a good point. Have you actually competed yourself?
1: I have not and I talked about it with a friend before um, and really wanted to get involved and that was kind of waylaid for a bit and now I think uh, it's going to take a little while for me to not be so chicken because I haven't exactly been cooking in a (laughs) most appropriate setup in my uh, little barbecue balcony. So perhaps uh, once I feel more confident, I will jump back in the ring.
0: (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. All right, look, that's a good point for us to take a little break and we'll be back in just a moment. In our modern lives, there are some things we need more of, more time, more money, more love from family and friends. Here at Smoking Occasions, we believe all that can be done through barbecue. If this sounds like you too, then you're going to want to keep the last weekend of July free because we are bringing you Barbicon. Barbicon is a 2-day virtual event with the sole purpose of helping you save time, save money, and become the envy of your family and friends. We're bringing the best barbecue pitmasters and business owners from around the country live into your living room. They're going to show you not only what they do, but how they do it. If you're a backyard barbecue, we're going to shorten that learning curve, eliminate the ruined meals going into the bin, and cement you as a barbecue legend among your family and friends. And if you're a barbecue business owner, we're going to share all the shortcuts to success, the tips and tricks to trim your budget and maximize profits, and build a thriving business that will help you take care of all your loved ones. Pre-registrations are open now, so hit the link in the description, bang in your details, and you'll be the first to be notified as soon as the early bird tickets are available, any specials that we're running, when we announce presenters, freebies, and more. So I'll see you there.
1: Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation.
0: Okay, Kerry, now one of the things that you have done um, to... uh, to, you know, change the, the barbecue scene and the way you see it and the way you'd like to see it is you founded, um, the very popular Facebook group, the women of low and slow Australia. So tell us about all that, uh, off with, with when it all started.
1: Yeah. Awesome. So, um, I went to the barbecue and beer roadshow up here, I think I can't remember if that was 2017 or 2018 um had a great time and the shank sisters were up on stage on a panel i think you were hosting um yes. and i remember looking around and just thinking wow there's a women's barbecue team like that's awesome like where are where are all the other women in barbecue doing stuff and i think i asked the question and someone was like oh they're right here like they're the shank sisters like yeah but there's got to be more of us surely so I messaged Linda from Pitts Perfect and said, hey, um, you are doing some awesome stuff. Where's, like, where are all the chicks at? And she's like, yeah, I I agree with you. Like, let's, she said, I know a few people. Let's, you know, start a group. Um, and so we started the Women of Low and Slow Barbecue Australia Facebook group with 25 of the best women that we knew in barbecue, which was about all of them that we knew. And from there, it has grown to uh, 835 members um, at last count. So it has been about four years in the making, but there's an incredible community in there now. So, yeah, and that's everything from judges to um, vendors to rubs and sauces, businesses to caterers and um, competitors and judges and all the rest. So, and heaps wow. of home cooks.
0: Right. So it's like a whole, uh, whole industry group rather than just a competition barbecue focused group.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that really speaks to the inclusivity that we wanted to provide with the group, which was when people are feeling uncertain about asking questions um, just about home cooking, then they never have an opportunity to build their skills and confidence enough to explore um, competing or um, opening a business or anything like that. So um, providing a ground where people could really ask the questions that they you know, might feel intimidated to ask in a really large group um, you know just enables people a little bit more to make that happen.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now, one of the things that um that I was uh, when I was reading uh the group descriptions and all that sort of stuff, um y- you'd written about how it was a a safe space for women to mm-hmm. and and uh non-binary people to to participate. Why is it important for women and non-binary people to have their own space?
1: So, um Quite often when a space is male dominated, um, the conversation and the humour that is in that can make other guests feel uh, very uncomfortable. So for instance, one of the key things that, um, I guess instigated my desire to create this space was being in one of the large barbecue groups. And it was just post after post of really disgusting sexist jokes. Um, that were kind of barbecue related but mostly sexual and derogatory towards women and it didn't make me want to be there and it certainly didn't want to make me ask questions because people would pile on with, um, you know, sarcasm and jokes and um, put-downs and I just thought, gross, it's about barbecue. Mm. Barbecue is like one of the most um, community-oriented, you know, food activities that we have in the world. Like it's all about feeding the family. It's about having a party. It's about like, you know, everyone coming together. So why is this the way that people are talking to each other and about other people? It's, yeah, I wasn't about it. So I thought I'd do something about it myself.
0: Well, I I love it. That's, uh, that's one of the things that we, um, strive for in our Facebook group as well. We don't tolerate any of the, uh, any of that sort of guff. Um, mm. And I, I think that what you're doing is, is really important as well because it is um, – I've just brought up a copy of the logo on the, on the screen there if, uh, if, if people decide they want to jump on Facebook and, and have a bit of a look at it. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think what you're doing is, is really important because um, a lot of that behaviour is really alienating and mm. uh, barbecue should be uniting, not divisive um, so that's one of the things yeah, that, that, that that we have in common that we stand for as well.
1: Yeah. And I really love that about the work that you do and the fact that we're having a whole season of, you know, talking to and about women in, in the industry. And it's, you know, like I totally um, acknowledge that when you have a group where it's so large that it's really hard to moderate, like that's an issue in itself. And that's totally cool. Like it's just kind of part and parcel of the online world, but it's the culture that needs to change underneath it. Because if that culture changes, you don't have to spend all this time moderating it because it's not there.
0: <sighs> exactly. Yeah. You just sort of eradicate it before it all starts. So tell me hmm. as, um, as 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 uh, an admin or a moderator of that group, what is done in that group? Do you have competitions? Do you have themes? Like How do you... How do you, cause I mean, you've grown it to 835, which is, a, mm. which is a great size group. Um, what do you sort of do to, to, to keep the group going and keep it, uh, keep mm. that momentum going?
1: So at the moment we keep it pretty unstructured. I know a lot of Facebook groups have got like your, you know, daily topics and themes. It's, um, just a lot more easygoing than that (laughs) so we like to welcome all of our new members find out where they're from what they want to learn um you know what they're interested in um we have experts who might be competition queens we have some really incredible talented people in the group um they might own businesses they might be caterers Uh, we even got butchers in there So when people have questions to ask, they know that they're going to get a response from someone who can absolutely be classified as an expert. Um, I'm going to be running expert sessions now that people have got their year down pat um, so that we can actually have, you know, um, I know we've got Cassie from Smoke on the Water who uh, is just a huge encyclopedia of barbecue knowledge and runs workshops. So um, people like that. Uh, a great resource and, um, uh, having them available for people to ask questions during in group sessions is really valuable. Uh, we've started to do meetups as well. Uh, at Meetstock, it was a little bit hard to get everyone all in the same place cause it was such, they were such large events, but, um, we've got, yeah, meetups happening, uh, in Queensland. And I hope to extend those out a little bit further as well. Um, and as well as that, we've got our own merchandise, uh, I'm wearing one here. So it was designed by Cassie from uh, Ground Zero, um, who's a woman who's designed a lot of barbecue logos in the industry. And we have that live now. And in the very, very short time uh, ahead, we've got our women's business directory and teams directory going live as well. So lots in the works. Um, it's been keeping me busy in my spare time, uh, but it's great to showcase the amazing women that we've got in the group um, doing amazing things in the industry.
0: Yeah, those are some excellent um, uh, ideas to be uh, to be developing there. Some, some great stuff. Is that all going to be available on your website?
1: It is. Um, and some of it is live now and some of it is in the works to be released very shortly. So Yeah, stay tuned. There's always updates happening.
0: Fantastic stuff. Now, here's here's a big question. We've talked about some of the um, some of the divisive behaviors and things like that 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 can happen Mm -hmm. in the barbecue scene. What are some things that as men we can do to make the barbecue scene more welcoming to women and non-binary people?
1: For sure. Um, I'm really glad you're asking this question and that this conversation is being had. I know a lot of really great supportive blokes really awesome and sometimes they don't know what to say uh in order to be the best ally or best support person sometimes it can be as easy as when someone just makes a really crass sexist joke just being like oh that's not funny man like simple as that and when you see it constantly in the groups all the time it can be as easy as nah we don't say that here Like Mm. just literally calling it out, shutting it down because quite often people will test the waters with jokes, which are, you know, fairly innocuous, but a bit on the nose Um, and they'll just keep pushing the boundary past that. So the earlier you nip it in the bud, the less it can escalate because quite often those jokes can indicate a belief that that person has about another group of people, whether that's because of sex or race or whatever else those behaviors can then get worse and it comes to people actually being harassed in public and and things like that or getting, you know, doxxed or, you know, other worse things. We Mm. don't want any of that. So let's just nip it in the bud early, hey?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Boundaries of respect. I like that. Mm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now you have another project on the go as well. That's Healthy Party Girl. This was interesting when I was looking at this online. Tell us about Healthy Party Girl.
1: Yeah, cool. So, Healthy Party Girls started as a blog uh, in about 2009. I was working in the uh, music industry as a music journalist um, and at a not-for-profit health company. Um, and nutrition and health has always been a really big part of my life. But getting the balance right is something that's even more important to me. I think there's really extremist views of like you know raw foods and green juices and marathons and yoga and all that stuff and it's just a bit much um so it's you know I don't believe in extremes one way or another I think that life is a bit of a balance um so you've got my logo there it's me in activewear in a martini glass um in a bit of a nod to Sailor Jerry of course the uh work of work of uh you know the great tattoo artist and stuff so yeah, from that, I actually trained as a health coach and then later became a registered nutritionist. So my work with my clients is around finding the balance for them, uh, healing and preventing burnout and, you know, finding a way that they can, you know, have their cue and eat it too.
0: Yeah, nice, nice. And so what's the what's the sort of crossover there? Is it is it sort of naturally helping people find the balance between the often overindulgent barbecue lifestyle and... Actually, being able to survive the overindulgent barbecue lifestyle—is that sort of where you're where you're aiming there?
1: Yeah, it's a bit of both. So I have clients who tend to be really, you know, high achievers or overachievers, and they're balancing maybe a full-time job with side projects um, that may or may not include, you know, being on a competition team or something like that. It's pretty intense work, you know. Um, people who are giving up their weekends and their rest time for The pursuit of their passions essentially Um, and of course when we don't rest uh, we end up taking ourselves closer and closer to burnout and when we're burned out we're useless to ourselves and everyone in our lives Um, and we're not going to be happy and we're going to get health problems and all this stuff and you can't enjoy your life when you know you're feeling that rubbish so my work is mainly preventative uh, but i am a clinical nutritionist so when people are really in that state of burnout I am able to prescribe supplements and really get them out of that chronic state so that they can then go back to, you know, slowly chipping away at the good habits and um, lifestyle changes that mean that they can kind of get to do it all.
0: Great stuff. Now, when I was reading the, the, the bio there, I saw that you had actually already created a cookbook in the past. Mm -hmm. Are we going to see like a, like a healthy barbecue cookbook coming out anytime soon?
1: Yes. I am Putting the finishing touches on Have Your Cue and Eat It Too, uh, which is an ebook. Uh, so, making it nice and easy for people. And so, in that guide, um, there's a note on what is actually a regular portion.
0: Because <laughs> I find <laughs> that, that gets a little bit
1: uh, lost sometimes. Um, ways that you can balance out. You know, the days when you are enjoying some delicious, well cooked meat products um, with, you know, um, more physical activity, uh, making sure you're getting plenty of fiber through your greens and all of that, and making sure they're not boring, because there's nothing that I hate worse than, yeah, boring everyday Coles, coleslaw. Um, for instance, you know, I made a salad last night that my partner was like, this is probably the best salad I've ever had in my life. And I thought, well, it's good because it's in the book. <laughs> ah. um, and you know, it's just like making vegetables not boring. You can chuck, you know, a wedge of cause on the grill for a minute, and you know, grate some parmesan over it and make it something delicious rather than it being boring and still getting the nutrients and fiber that your body needs to probably balance out some of the, you know, some of the good stuff. So, mm. um, plenty of things like that, and some nutritional nudges in the butt on the way.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's funny how um, how our, we sort of lose control of our diets lose focus on our diets Mm. and it 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 very quickly kind of spirals um we were uh visiting some some family and uh we'd been eating just uh, horribly horribly like was it 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 was a holiday we're indulging in everything and we ended up saying to them look can we just go to aldi and just get some steaks and some things and like we'll we'll put on a meal for you. And they said, yeah, sure, no worries. So we just did a, just some grilled steaks and a garden salad, basic garden salad, mm-hmm. lettuce, tomato, carrot, a little bit of French dressing on top, the French uh, vinaigrette dressing, not the creamy dressing. And uh, <laughs> just- the 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 fan members were saying, oh, my God, this is amazing. What's in this? And we're like, uh, nutrients, minerals, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> vitamins. Exactly. And why- you know what? That's it. It's
1: about making – making that stuff delicious. And quite often it's just that people don't realise that you can make it good or that it doesn't have to be like your plain salad or sometimes people just haven't experienced stuff like that before. And, you know, you mentioned about being on holiday and um, having a lot of indulgent foods. A lot of people beat themselves up about that. Like you go, oh, I've been in Toowoomba at Meatstock for three days eating meat, like, oh, I'm I feel you know, all that stuff um and it's just about actually no you had an awesome time enjoy the fact that you got to experience that and there was like you know gosh so many good vendors there you want to eat everything and then after that you go okay cool that was awesome and now I'm going to balance it out a little bit I'm going to do a few more walks this week maybe I'll hit up the gym um you know maybe I'll chuck in an extra CrossFit session or whatever you want to do um and then you know drink some more water have some more greens and you can get back to brisket on the weekend like it's not really a big deal people make it out to be way harder than it needs to be um, and way more boring than it needs to be and the whole point of food is that it's not just filling your body but it's a sensory pleasure as well so you come together enjoy a good meal don't beat yourself up over it and just balance it out later
0: well said i like that that's probably a good point for us to take a quick break we will be back in just a moment Alrighty, folks, if you are in the market for some beautiful barbecue merch, if you're after a hoodie, a t-shirt, we've got beanies. We've got our beautiful uh, Smoking On Confessions tumblers there. I'm drinking out of one right now. Keeps the hot drinks hot and the cold drinks cold. As you're aware, winter is coming. So we do have those beautiful thick fleecy uh, hoodies there and those beanies. They do feature our award-winning... Hail Mary design on the back, picked up Best Barbecue Apparel 2020 over at the MBBQA in the United States. So it's some good stuff and it would really uh, help and support the show as well. One thing I did love when I was at Meatstock was I got, I got to see a couple of folks running around in some Smoking Hot uh, t-shirts and that really uh, just put a smile on my dial and made me feel good about, uh, about all the things that we're doing here on the show. So jump on to board to smokinghotconfessions.com shop, check them out, it would really help us out and we would really appreciate it very, very much. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot
1: Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott.
0: All righty, Kerry. Now, this is the third part of the show. This is the segment where our guest gets to impart some wisdom to the viewers and the listeners, um, share some advice, share some ideas. So I'm just going to sit back and have a good listen and write down some notes for some questions later on. And I'm going to let you, uh, let you uh, teach us.
1: Yeah, awesome. So um, I want to just give y'all a few tips on how you can have your cue and eat it too. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I just saw one of your comments down there. That's uh, my my dark history has been uh, exposed. Um, So when we're uh, setting the scene for our week, um, obviously you'll know what's coming up for you, whether you've got um, a cook planned or an event to go to or something like that um when I sit down at the start of my week um, I plan not just my calendar but my meals as well so um, this might look like okay cool we've got uh, wings night on Wednesday we're gonna you know cook up a brisket or a short rib or something on the weekend um and there's gonna be a couple of leftovers in there as well I believe in doing bulk cook sometimes uh so that especially when you're busy you get to know that you've got things planned for you ahead of time um saves stress saves hassle. so then you can kind of go all right well if i'm going to have these rich meals meaty goodness then i'm going to make sure that i'm getting my veg in there as well so um, i like to have a bit of a rotation of my meals um, if i get really stuck so things like taco tuesday um, you've got you know like i said wings wednesday is always a fave in our house Um, we usually do something that takes a bit more time and effort on the weekends uh, when we've got more time there um, and then there's plenty of opportunity for um, having some fish or vegetarian-based meals to balance things out during the week. Um, so you generally need to make sure that your portion sizes are probably around a palm size and that doesn't sound like a lot. And so generally in barbecue, we're probably erring on the side of a larger portion, uh, which makes it all the more important to make sure that we're uh, you know not overindulging um, Every single meal of the day. There's a rule that I like to follow with my clients or a guideline because I don't really like rules, um, which is to have half my plate of veggies and the rest of it is my proteins and my carbs. Um, So, carbs includes all of your rices, grains, um, cornbreads, beans, um, and any of your starchy veggies. So, if you've got some fries or, you know, cold baked potatoes going on, then that's taking up a quarter of the plate so whilst that might sound like a bit of a different balance um, it's just a guideline Uh, if you can work towards something like that more often than not then that's a great way to you know approach things um, and making sure that you get plenty of fiber so I don't know about you but I don't want to go down the route like Elvis so I do like to make sure (laughs) (laughs) I do like to make sure that we're getting plenty of um plenty of fiber going on for me, that means that uh, I pack the the Metamucil or the psyllium husk when I'm judging a comp. <laughs> um, but it also means that, you know, um, if you've got a food truck like Blue Bonnets who's doing a rad slaw, then I'm getting a couple of serves of that in once the once the turn-ins are over. Um, it's all about balance, really. If you're thinking, you know, you're smashing out a whole bunch of different cook preparations and um, competition prep and all that sort of stuff, awesome that's going to be a period of time where you're probably going to be eating a lot more meat and rich foods and enjoying that and that's all good um then you want to make sure that you are balancing that out with some time that's kind of not so intensely on the meat side of things Um, don't be scared of your vegetarian options um i think we saw a really good example of a vegetarian patty at the last meat stock um You know what i really loved was that some teams actually went with that and said okay well i'm going to make the best veggie burger possible for my veggie mates um by having a couple of vegetarian meals you actually do really really reduce your risk of some of those really not so fun uh health conditions um so you know there is something to be said for getting some extra veggies in even just chuck a whole bunch of veggies on the grill while you're warming it up next time or you know while it's cooling down doesn't take long for them to cook and become super delicious and the last thing you want is boring veggies. So make it easy on yourself and uh, don't take it too seriously.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. So much goodness in there. Now, when, when you talk about planning your week, your calendar and your meals, I, I, I'm mm. assuming that that's really important as well because a lot of people get caught out in the middle of the week because they're so busy mm. and they end up with a bunch of different takeaway meals. And you, mm-hmm. you mentioned bulk cooks there as well. So mm. that's something that we actually do here as well. So every Sunday afternoon, I'll cook two or three different uh, bulk meals and then uh, package them up and freeze them. And one of the best ones I found was a cottage pie because Mm. I was able to actually get four types of vegetables in the filling and then a big potato top. And my kid eats it up and loves it and doesn't even realize he's getting five serves of vegetables.
1: Yes. And hidden veggies are not just for kids. Like if you know that you're not super keen on the idea of it, like just hide them from yourself. It's totally fine. No judgment here. I like to make, um, a spaghetti bolognese, um, with, you know, beautiful grass fed mints and, you know, high quality and don't get lean mints. Like you do need some fat in your diet as well. Um, and also, you know, fat is flavor. Like that's, you know, we know this, we know this, um, just you can squeeze as many veggies as possible in that sauce and blend it all up and you'll not know the difference. Like just, yeah, don't judge yourself for it. Just get them in any way you can. Um, And, you know, one of the resources that I really love is like, this is going to probably be a bit nerdy, but I love Southern Living. Like okay. you know, the American website, like they have heaps of really great casserole and um, slow cook Meal options for bulk cooking. Like I've made the most amazing black-eyed bean and kale and turnip stew recently, and it lasted us for a few meals. And I'm like, this is delicious. Like the Americans know how to do a hidden veggie. <laughs> so, you know, use your resources at hand. Find a few recipes that you are happy to eat a couple of times a week. Um, my partner's a shift worker, so you know, he's happy to eat the same five same meal five times in a week. I'm not. So, you know, you can have your leftover pulled pork mixed into your soup or you can make tacos out of it or like whatever, you know, just make it, like I said, make it easy for yourself and squeeze them in any way you can. And it's a little bit of planning ahead of time goes a long way. I have definitely been guilty of like, oh, you know what? We could just get Frankie's, you know, like (laughs) we could just do that. Or if I've got a meal plan sorted for myself that I'm excited to eat then we're not going to do that and we can save our takeaways for you know when we're actually looking forward to having it on site really
0: yeah yeah and you often save a lot of money that way as well uh running a meal plan through the week very yeah, much, and yeah. at the
1: moment we're um, saving – well, we're, we've just bought a block of land so that we've actually got somewhere to cook properly. So that's going to be a little bit of time in the making to, to get the house built, but um, the whole idea is that I won't be uh, trying to sneak my bro queue on the balcony anymore.
0: <laughs> well, congratulations. That's really exciting news.
1: Yeah, it's super cool. Thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, you were also mentioning uh, palm-sized portions there before, and uh, mm. I'd imagine like at least three-quarters of the audience here probably went <gasps> – Oh my god! So, yeah. how do you um do you sort of work your way down to a palm size portion until the palm size portion feels regular? Because I'm a like I'm a I run on protein. Um, mm. I feel rubbish if I eat carbs. Um, I need to eat like I I have a protein shake for breakfast mm. and another one at, at at lunch, particularly if I'm at work, and uh, and then like cans of tuna for snacks during the day. Mm. How do you sort of um? do you need to work your way down to those palm sizes so that that feels like enough?
1: Yeah. And that's a really good question. Um, I advocate not jumping into the deep end when it comes to stuff like this, definitely easing in making small, um, sustainable changes. So for instance, um, you know, we had, we had ribs recently and, um, for me, you know, I can see that it would be really easy to smash a whole rack. Like you just, it's delicious. You want to keep going. Um, you know, we've gotten to the point now where it's easy for us to go, okay, well, if we're going to share a rack, we're going to have some, you know, green beans on the side, um, you know, whatever, then we can share that. And it's, you know, really easy when you get like the tasting platters of barbecue to like look at it and go, yeah, I could eat that whole thing myself. But it's like, well, your brain actually switches off its flavor receptors after a couple of bites. So really? after a couple of bites, well, so what happens, have you there's the buffet effect, right? When you go to a buffet, you're more likely to overeat because the novelty of it. So if you've got a single meal, which is the same thing and you are eating it mindfully after a while, you'll be like, I'm actually bored of this. And so your stomach has decided, okay, cool. I've had enough food. Your brain has decided I'm not interested in this anymore. And it signals your, um, hunger receptors to kind of go, okay, well, We're probably done here. I could eat more, but I could also leave it. So if you have like your beautiful platter for wine, um, you know, sometimes you can just look at it and go, okay, well, I've got several palm-sized portions here. Which one's going to be my priority one and which ones do I just want to have a taste of? That's one way to do it. You go, okay, well, my priority is the brisket today. Then I'm going to make sure that I try everything else and have a good time. Um, And, you know, I want to make sure that I get plenty of that protein so i'm the same as you i run on protein Um, i've got adhd i find that people who um, have adhd quite often are much better on protein than carbs anyways Um, but it's all about making sure that you're getting protein at every meal and um, smaller amounts each time so that you can maintain that consistency of energy and um, muscle recovery uh, so yeah, it's not so much about like, okay, cool. I'm going to cut my steak in half and discard the rest. Nah, it's like just getting to know your body a little bit better and recognizing when your novelty, um, receptor is firing and, uh, when it's not so that then you can go, okay, cool. Well, you know what? I've had enough of this one today. I'm going to put it aside to have for my leftovers tomorrow.
0: Interesting stuff. Yeah. And just, okay. So just one last question there. I just wanted to check the numbers on things. You said, uh, half the plate should be the palm size of meat and the other half <laughs> should be veggies and carbs. So that's a quarter carbs, quarter veggies. Is that right? Is that like the, the, the good so you balance? Get half
1: of, so if you're working towards the ideal plate, and like I said, this is something you work towards. This is the ideal. Anything kind of near enough is good enough as far as I'm concerned. You get your half of your plate as your non-starchy vegetables. Get a quarter of your plate as your palm size serve of meat. And then the other quarter is going to be your carbohydrate. So you might find that if you're working a bit better on dividing that half a plate into one third and two thirds and having that two thirds protein, you'll know your body enough to know that, you know, you don't need that much carbohydrate and you can pair that back a little bit. Um, and that's totally cool too. The whole idea is that if you get enough veggies in, it's going to mitigate all of the effect of the saturated fats and uh, you know, other things that we add to our glorious meats um, so that you can still be you know, healthy and thriving and not worrying about chronic health conditions and have a long and lustrous time in barbecue.
0: Beautiful. And it gives us more time to get all those call-ups and get on stage and get those trophies.
1: A hundred percent. Makes the walk a lot easier <laughs> up there too. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Nice, nice. All right, that's probably a good point for us to uh, to start to wrap up the episode. So I'm going to get you to give some shout outs and some praise and some thank yous to people that have helped you out along the way, and tell everybody where they can follow you on the internet.
1: Yeah, awesome. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at healthy party girl. You can find the Women of Low and Slow Barbecue uh, Facebook and Instagram uh, just by searching that. Um, all of that will have our links to our website and merch and and all the rest. And I'd love to see some new faces in the group from here as well. Um, Shout outs. Well, obviously, Linda from Pitts Perfect, who is the co-founder of the Women in Low and Slow. She's amazing. Um, Beck from Rivertown Smoke, who has always been a huge supporter and and friend. Um, uh, Chloe from Barbecue Asylum, who's an absolute legend in the group, always giving us super great um, advice, um, Pam from the Q club, uh, what a trailblazer. I adore that woman. Um, and I've got to say the most supportive bloke who has been, um, you know, a great support from day one, um, is Ollie from Ollie's Q. So, uh, yeah, he's a great, he's a great support as well, as much as he gives me about being an uh, ex-vegan. So, uh, and also I got to say, um, you know, yourself, um, huge thanks to you for the support that you've um, given the group as well as Brie. Um, Brie's also been amazing. Um, and, um, you know, James Park as well. He's, uh, spreading the word of women in low and slow when I'm, uh, when I'm not (laughs) aware. So thanks to all of those people who have uh, been amazing supports for us along the way. Yeah.
0: Excellent stuff. Well, look, thank you very much for your time today. I know that Thursday is your busy day where you like to, yeah. uh, to, to get in and get all the hard work done before the weekend. So I, I appreciate That's you taking time out of that important day to, to hang out here and talk barbecue and fitness with me.
1: That's right. I think these uh, conversations are as important or more so than all my invoicing.
0: <laughs> excellent, excellent. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. And there you have it, family. That was, of course, Kerry Kidby Salem from, ah, oh, so many things, from Barbecue Judging. I, it actually took me a little while to work out um, where I, uh, to, to put the face with the name. And it turns out I've been seeing her on the circuit for several years. And it's funny that we just finally now put the two, uh, put the face and the name together. Uh, judging at Meatstock, judging ABA, judging KCBS, judging SCA, the amazing Facebook group, the Women of Low and Slow Australia, which does a lot for, uh, for equality and inclusiveness in the barbecue scene as well and uh, providing uh, and holding space for, for women and non-binary people as well. Um, we talked a lot about, the, uh, about how we blokes can do a lot to improve the scene as well. So get on that, establish those boundaries and stand by your principles and make the scene better for everybody. That's that. That's my my, my part of that as well. Um, healthy party girl, check that out as well. There's a lot of uh, going to be a lot of healthy barbecue tips coming through there soon uh, to help keep us all nice and safe and healthy as well. So to wrap things up, just a quick reminder: Barbicon is coming. Get that in your uh, short ter- long term memory. Don't put it in the short term memory. Put it in the long term memory. Barbicon. It's coming soon. We haven't got a date just yet, but we will be releasing that very soon. Keep an eye on the socials. Keep an eye on the SmokingHotConfessions.com website. And if you are over there, head to the shop page over there. Support the show. Grab a T-shirt, hoodie, beanie. We've got e-books there as well. We'd love your support. It'd really help us out. And we would love you forever. So that's it from me then. Until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing.
1: Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.